Wes Durham is on the links. That would be Drew Carter chilling and grilling. The boys are sound asleep. Chester is Fuller. Packer and Durham. Captain Ron on is not ACCM here. He's out playing drums. Same thing Robert. So Otto earlier. He's in the Christmas decoration room. We're all good to go. Again, we're ready to roll. We've got a ton of things to get into. Great guests, fun topics. Mr. Carter, what's up? How are we doing, Pac? Thank you for the hospitality. Oh, yeah. Again, Mrs. P night, rolls uh, out the red carpet for you, man. Yeah, and the West Durham Presidential Suite. Is that the official name, or uh, is it just the West Durham Suite? No, it's the West Durham Suite. Just the West Durham Suite. Well, it was wonderful. You had your own floor last night. I did. <laughs> had the whole place to yourself. I cranked that thermostat down. I'm a cold sleeper. Mrs. P said, we've got it at 72 right now, but this floor is yours if you want to turn it down. Bumped it down to 69, and I was out. Let me tell you something. I, that's why I was glad you were here, because I do. I pull that move because I like it ice cold. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, when the second she goes to the beach, like with the girls or whatever, as soon as the Beamer leaves the driveway, I mean, I watch it. <laughs> me and Chester and Fuller, our noses are right against the windowsill. Yeah. And as soon as the Beamer gets to the edge of the driveway, first thing I do is down, 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 <laughs> six, five. Six, five. Baby. Nice and toasty. Perfect. Six, five. See your breath a little bit. Right. That's, that's the best good. way. That's what you want. I mean, that's what the blankets are for, right? right. If you need them. Speaking of blankets. Yeah, we're, we're missing Chester. the uh, Commissioner Phillips, of course, yeah. when he made an appearance here in the basement, brought uh, the boys treats, and he brought Chester a, a blanket, which is normally on top of the Roger Goodell uh, commissioner's chair. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mrs. P walked down there because, you know, we normally don't let Mrs. P down there. She's like, "That's <laughs> this is your haven down there. This is where you do your job yeah. and all that stuff. That's why it's 60 degrees down here. That's It feels good down here, right? Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. So, um, but she saw the blanket and was like, Mark, have you have you cleaned <laughs> Commissioner Phillips' blanket since he delivered it back in December? I said, no. And she just was mortified. Right. So, Chester's got no blanket today, but never, he is going to be good to go. I think there's a tag on that blanket that says wash every six months. <laughs> once once every six months is good, Yeah, and you'll be safe. Yeah. So the big boy, he's uh, st- over there dreaming of his girl, Haley Van Lith, who, of course, is his favorite. A little lefty. Right. You know, well, blind lefty. That's his just, style. It's just like him. Yeah, exactly. Favorite player. But, yeah, you can already see my influence on the show. I've got some lemon coffee cake from Wegmans. Yeah, now you need to explain for the folks in the South. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, you know, the one thing about the ACC footprint, I mean, you go all the way from central New York down right. to beautiful Coral Gables, Miami, and, and there's a That's little right. bit of culture all over the, the map here. Yeah. So you you delivered this yesterday, so you need to explain to folks what's going on here. So Wegmans, for the folks who don't know, is the premier grocery store in central New York. I believe it was founded in Rochester, New York, but they're all over the place. Uh, you can't throw a rock in Syracuse without hitting a Wegmans. So I was in Syracuse for the uh, Virginia Orange men's lacrosse game. We want to talk about the result. Yeah, we are. We, we probably have to later on in the show. Um, but yeah, I almost hit for the Syracuse cycle the other night because I went from the Dome to Wegmans. That's not the Carrier Dome anymore, you know, as you want to. <laughs> I think it is until May 1st, oh, is that what it is? Yeah, th- then it becomes the JMA Wireless Dome, we think. It rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> Reports say. I mean, I'm going to be bouncing my grandkids on my knee saying I was at the JMA Wireless <laughs> Dome. Yeah, for sure. But I went Dome, Wegmans, Tully's, got some chicken tenders, and then Fagan's for the nightcap. That's it. That's the Syracuse cycle out, right man. there. Well, I appreciate you bringing uh, Wegmans down here. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. I mean, you see, it's I got a half coffee cake. It's still the entire thing is here because Mrs. P is so hospitable. Had some fruit this morning. Had a muffin. It was healthy. But I just want to thank you, Pack, for giving up sweets and alcohol this year and bread and bread because your loss 
is my gain. That's great. Yeah. Because normally that thing right there <laughs> would not have lasted last night. You, you would yeah. have brought that into the house yesterday, and I said, hey, whoa, 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 before we have lasagna tonight for, for dinner, we, we need to sample that, and that would have been gone. Right. So I've been, my discipline has been outstanding. Yeah. In 22. And it's great for all your guests because I had this ice cream pie last night. Yeah, I was a Mrs. P Tremendous. special. Little Woodford Reserve. Now I can grow facial hair after. Well, after I mean, I, I kind of, yeah. you know, helped you last night. You were yeah. like, ah, yeah, I have a couple of cold beers. I said, let me, you know, since I've given it up so far in 22, why, why don't you sample a little double oat Woodford oh. Reserve? Whew. It's pretty good, right? It hit the spot. Yeah. It hit the spot as we were watching Drew Brooks's Phoenix Suns oh, lose. Tough loss. The Let's New Orleans see. Pelicans. Yeah. Uh, before we get to business, because we crowned a ton of champions this weekend, and we got tons of guests and all that stuff, we'll take calls to 844-SAY-ACCN, because it was a busy, busy Atlantic Coast Conference sports weekend. Uh, you mentioned doing Virginia-Syracuse. Yeah. And uh, being a Syracuse alum, I mean, this lacrosse thing is a real big deal, Syracuse. It is, yeah. And, and Virginia, of course, takes care of business. Large In Tiffany, emphatic fashion. Right? Oh, yeah. Wins the championship. We'll get to all this in greater detail. But it came to my understanding um, that you had a little riding on this. Game. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, not, not necessarily like Dallin Cup style, but th- no. this was a real bet. This was, a, it was a, a friendly wager is how I would describe it. And so what I need to do right now is just say this. I've always said that. No, well, wait, no wait, 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 wait. Before you even go, I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt. Yeah, that's okay. You need to set up the bet. Who was it with and, well, and what was riding you? But, Pac, I don't know if I'm allowed to yeah, reveal. You yes, you are. Okay. On this show, you are. All right. All right. No rules on this show. No rules. No rules. This we're is where. Tra- we're completely transparent. And if we're wrong, we apologize. This is where everyone in Bristol, the collective temperature rises because they're all sweating. What is this guy about to say? Here's what happened. Dana Boyle, Virginia alum. We love Dana. Former lacrosse player. Obviously, went to UVA. And so, Syracuse is playing Virginia. I'm calling the game with Paul Carcaterra. You're starting to feel it? I was feeling pretty good. I got I, the pom-poms out I before we thought, get to the broadcast yeah. booth. The I orange, thought, it's lacrosse, it's what we do. I'd go orange on the uh, banner over there. I'm thinking, I went to practice Friday. I'm like, these guys are loose. They've got nothing to play for, but also nothing to lose, right? right. That you know, It could they, be dangerous. Sure, they haven't given up yet. Virginia's a little nicked up. I mean, the pressure of trying to host a first-round game in the NCAA tournament, I think Syracuse is going to win this game. So I text Dana. How about a little friendly wager? Oh, boy. And she jumps right on. Oh, right. She can't, no hesitation. She can't wait to no get hesitation. a piece of you. So, anyway, if Syracuse had won, drinks would have been on her in Charlottesville, maybe at Boylan, maybe at Trinity. Who knows? A lot of good spots to pick from. If Virginia won, which ended up happening, I had to proclaim in public, and this is a pretty bad ask from her. Like this, this is not hard for me to do. I mean, I, I think I got the better end of this deal. Which so you, you feel better, you feel good about the bet even prior to the match. Like, yeah, I, I think our guys could pull off the upset, and right. I got the easier of the two deals. Yes, you and, couldn't be in a better position. <laughs> right, it's easy. It's Syracuse a win-win at for home. Me. Right, right. At, nothing at the to GMA lose. All the stone. pressure on Lawrence Tiffany. Yes, I got right. Dana Boyle on the ropes because this is a bet that she's playing into my wheelhouse. Right, right. And then uh, it blows up in my face, <laughs> as everyone knows. So what I have to do right now is tell the folks at home that Bodo's Bagels in Charlottesville ooh, is ooh. the best bagel you can find on planet Earth. That's coming from a guy with New York ties. With New York ties, yep. 
And uh, I've always said it, you is know, Bodo's bagels. Is it's, that painful? It's delicious. Look, at me, uh, look me in the eye. Is that the, painful to say? The bagel, which Wait. is about the size of this medallion. <laughs> it's the best bagel you can find anywhere. Should we, should we call Dana Boyle today and just have her come on and not necessarily gloat? Yeah. But, you know, uh, she'll sure. feel pretty good about the fact that her alma mater has got the hardware. <laughs> yeah, that's and okay. And she wins the bet. Right. We can, we can do that. I mean, she might roll out of bed at like 10 in Charlottesville and see the re-air and might miss, miss her chance. But, yeah, we'll get the folks up in Bristol to blow her up. All right. We really just need Chester and Fuller to go bark and that'll No, no, up. no. The boys are, hey, that's yeah. not happening. They're, <laughs> they're out. They're done. They're, they're disappointed because uh, Captain Ron and Robert are not here. And Fuller normally loads up on his sulfur biscuits in the mornings. <laughs> he didn't get those today, so he's a little ornery. He'll be sitting there leaning on you like he does with Wes. Yeah. Wes must be thinking, the one day I'm gone, no sulfur biscuits. None. Yeah. It's all about timing. <laughs> all right, so Dana Boyle, uh, you've been basically called out, but you got what you wished for, right? Congratulations. You looked, right, you looked right in the camera, and you paid off your bet. Congratulations. There it is. Never again. That's the last I'll speak of Bodo's Bagels on television. All right, it- here we go. We're going to go deep dive throughout the course of the show with what happened over the weekend. But there were multiple ACC championships this weekend. Let's first start with Duke knocking off Virginia in women's tennis. Now, we're going to talk with uh, Jamie Ashworth later on. She's the coach at Duke. They win another championship. It's going to be Jamie. He later in the show. And, uh, but Duke takes care of business on the women's side because we have men's championship, women's championship to do this. So Duke knocks off Virginia, and my goodness, when you start talking about the tradition and the history, 18th title, 18 for Duke now, all time. Jamie has won nine by himself. Yeah. That's a pretty good run. Mr. Ashworth has half of those championships. Georgia Drummy, most valuable player, ACC championship all the way from Ireland. That's it. To win it for Duke. They've got the selection show. May 2nd. That's it. At 6.30. They got to have a pretty high seed, you'd imagine. You got to figure. And of course, Jamie's been on with us before. You got to figure he is absolutely thrilled to death. I mean, that's, I mean, listen, the league, we keep talking about spring sports, whether it be lacrosse, whether it be baseball, softball, tennis, golf. The quality in this league is crazy good. Yeah. And so you knew the tournaments were going to be out of sight. Uh, men's tennis. Wahoo wah. You're talking about domination. Virginia outlasts North Carolina 4-3. to three. Great match for a title. And Virginia goes on to win their 14th men's tennis championship. Yeah, this went a little closer than on the women's side. Duke took care of business. Virginia, it's 4-3 over UNC. As you said, 14th for the Hoos. They're also top 10 like the Duke women's, so... Putting it on for the ACC, they're going to have some momentum riding into the big dance. No doubt. May 2nd, of course, is going to be a big day next week. Everybody will find out as far as the pairing, seedings, and all that stuff goes, as far as the NCAA goes. But 14 men's titles now. Virginia knocks off North Carolina 4-3. Virginia also had a pretty good weekend, as you well know, because you were front and center to watch it and then lose your bet to Dana Boyle. Uh, Lars Tiffany continues to rock and roll. Again, no tournament. For the men, women's tournament gets started this week in South Bend. We'll talk about that later on. But Wahoo Wah takes care of business. They knock off Syracuse. You were there front and center. I'll tell you what. Lars could have scored a goal with that wooden stick that, that he plays around with before the game. I mean, they had 21 goals, and I think they might have had 20 before the third quarter was over. It was just straight domination. Now, Syracuse scores 15, which I think is a positive sign for the Orange. Jackson Whistle had five. He's really promising heading into next year. People talk about the freshmen coming in for Syracuse and Dordovic coming back. Burt Whistle's another name to remember, but 
Virginia is rolling, and honestly, Matt Moore and Petey LaSala looked so good that if I'm a Wahoo Wah fan, if I am Dana Boyle right now, I'm feeling pretty stoked because, Pack, it's crazy to think that a, a two-time reigning national champ is sort of a sleeper heading into the NCAA tournament, but Maryland looks so good. Georgetown looks so good. The Ivy League is best conference in college lacrosse. And back. Do not sleep on the Hoos. They're rolling up. Well, they got that championship DNA. Jeff Connor, by the way, will join us later in the program. Jeff Connor, by the way, if he needs an agent, Paul Carcaterra loves him. We're going to talk about that with him later on in the he, show. He went off in this yeah. match. So congratulations to Lars Tiffany. He's one of our favorites on the program. And uh, from a golf perspective, we have the, cha- the team championship to de- determine today with Wake Forest and Georgia Tech. That starts at 10 a.m. You can see on ACC uh, Extra. But nevertheless, the individual champion was crowned. Jacob Bridgman of my beloved Clemson Tigers knocks off Peter Fountain in a playoff and becomes the first uh, Clemson golfer to win the individual title since 2009. But Jacob Bridgman has had a great, great spring. He's been out of sight. Yeah, first Tiger to win the title since 2009. I think that's when... uh... When you won it, right? Uh, 2009? That would, that would be incorrect. Oh, okay. Uh, not, not quite accurate right. or nowhere near the truth Brush on top of that. History, but uh, yeah. it goes to okay. the list of guys like Parker Moore, Kevin Johnson, Danny Ellis, Charles Warren, who won it twice, and David May was the last one to win it from Clemson back in 2009. But yeah. Jacob Bridgman's had a phenomenal year. And, uh, again, mm-hmm. congratulations about Georgia Tech and Wake Forest. Uh, they went through match play yesterday in the semifinals in great matches to get to the championship match which will begin again today at 10 a.m. And the ironic twist to all of that is that Wake Forest has won 18 ACC titles. Georgia Tech has won 18 ACC titles. The Jackets have basically owned ACC golf for recent memory. Mm-hmm. The Deeks haven't won it since the late 80s. So something's got to give, but that'll be a great yeah. match today. Yeah, absolutely. Georgia Tech has won eight since 2009. Pretty good. Your domination. That is pretty strong. That is golf in your ball. And uh, North Carolina was spectacular in stroke play. They really kind of dominated to be the one seed. And, of course, Wake Forest knocked them off. But uh, we'll go through more details with all these championships over the weekend. But it's that time of the year, man. We get to late April, early May. It's all about, hey, crowning people, and let's get on to NCAA stuff. So it's all good. Let's rock and roll. You like that? ACC champs. That's it. All right. All right. Guest-wise today, again, Belle Smith from Boston College's women's lacrosse team. She will join us coming up around 8.30 this morning. I mentioned that uh, Jamie Ashworth, he's absolutely loving life with his ninth title, running the show for Duke's women's program. And uh, Jeff Connor from Virginia Men's Lacrosse, and they win the ACC regular season. They're good to go. All three of those guests later on in the program. When we come back, and again, we got a ton of stuff to get into, football, basketball, baseball, you name it, softball. we got every sport covered. But when we come back, we're talking hoops. It was a big weekend of folks deciding to either stay or go. And uh, if you're a fan of the light blue in Chapel Ooh. Hill, you are loaded for the 22-23 season. We'll discuss it when we return. Drew Carter, filling in for Wes. It's Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Monday. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Uh, A lot going on. 844-SAY-ACCN. Again, we're going to cover every sport known to man in the gamut of this three hours. All right, so let's go hoops because it was a really important weekend. I know you're thinking, man, we got all these spring sports. You idiots are talking basketball. There was huge news over the weekend, and uh, nobody's had a better life than Hubert Davis here the last Ooh. couple of weeks, right? I mean, Leaky Black, Armando Baycott, and 
You know, R.J. Davis decides, hey, you know what? Life's pretty good in Chapel Hill. What could be better? Caleb Love goes, hey, let's go put the band back together and go one more run here. Pretty yeah. strong. I mean, honestly, Pat, Caleb Love, I'm pretty surprised by this decision. And I think if those other guys hadn't stayed, Love wouldn't either. But now the folks in Chapel Hill are saying, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. No he was doubt. so good in the tournament last year. I, I just assumed he was gone. And he's he's got such an NBA game. He's got great range, a quick first step. I just thought he was kind of ready, and he seemed like he was going to leave. But now they've got everyone coming back with the exception of Manic. And like I said, I think if the other three guys go, Love probably does as well, like what's happening eight miles down the road in Durham. But they're basically UCLA of last year, which is ironic because they beat UCLA in the tournament. Yeah, but you think about what's coming back for Hubert's team and the way they played the second half. And again, we were in the middle of February. We weren't sure if they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. And then they just caught fire at the right time. And it all worked and gelled. And, you know, in this day and age of name, image, and likeness, and kids could come back and make some coin on the side, hey, go for it, man. I've said this before. I I get on the couch, and I root for these kids to stay in college. Mm -hmm. I do. And I, I am guilty as the day is long. The money will wait, right? Now you can get the money when you're in college. Right. And if you're Hubert Davis looking at this roster, you got to be licking your chops. Experience, the way that season ended, you make the run to the Final Four, you're this close to winning a national title, and all these guys are coming back, four your five starters, load up. If you're a North Carolina fan, man, you've just got to be like, man, we are in business. Let's yeah. go. you got to be feeling great. And for a guy like Caleb Love, I mean, he became a national superstar in the NCAA tournament last year. You combine that with the fact that his name is Love. Guy's going to be making probably seven figures in NIL, you'd have to think. I mean, he's, he's going to be raking it in. Him and Baycott and, and all these guys, I think Carolina fans kind of resented the team probably during the regular season. It wasn't really Carolina basketball when they were sort of on the bubble there, but it just made it that much sweeter when they kind of clicked in the NCAA tournament. And they love this team so much, and I'm sure that's part of the reason why they wanted to come back is because they can feel that support. Pretty special what they got brewing. Well, I was going to say, when you consider what North Carolina's got coming back, when you consider what Virginia has coming back, everybody coming back, they go into the transfer portal yesterday. We'll talk about all this later on. Uh, Virginia's got everybody back. North Carolina's got everybody back. Duke's going to put a crazy class together. Mm -hmm. You know, for everybody who's trying connecting dots, you know, Dane Goodwin says, hey, guess what? I'm coming back to Notre Dame. Unlike a year ago, it feels like there's so much more firepower coming back. A year ago, it kind of felt like, where's everybody going? Right. It's April, and I kept saying to Wes, I said, man, I, this doesn't feel good as far as where, yeah. where the league's going from a talent perspective. It seems like everybody's left the building. What is a roster going to look like? I still don't know what a roster's going to look like, but I know what it's going to look like in Chapel Hill. I know what it's going to look like in Charlottesville. Yeah. It's going to be pretty good. Well, think about it. Last year coming in, we didn't know who the ACC Player of the Year was going to be. Right. It, and it ends up being a guy who transfers in from Oklahoma. This year, it's going to be hotly contested. Who We don't even know who Carolina's best player is. I yeah. mean, you can pick from from any of these guys. And the fact that the backcourt is back, too, it's just it's huge because that's what wins in March. Caleb Love was the Coach K slayer. He, he was really, I think, the engine of that team in March. So the fact that he's coming back, again, like I said, I didn't expect him to come back because he, he seems like he's pretty NBA-ready to me. But... They're loaded, man. Now it's just a matter of can you deal with the pressure? Because it's going to be completely the opposite. I think they will. You know why? Because there was such a long period of time in January and February that they were under pressure to make the tournament. Right. right? I mean, you you go through a season, you go, man, they lost a tight game in the national championship. They must have had a cruise control year. No. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I still go back to the shot that Love made against Syracuse, the big three, late in the regular season. And I'm not so sure North Carolina even makes the tournament if he doesn't make that shot. They right. go on and win that game. I mean, it was that close for North Carolina as far as the bubble goes. But, man, if you're a North Carolina fan, this news the last two weeks, you just got to yeah. sit back and go, holy mackerel, when can this season get started? Right. right? When they lost to Pittsburgh – it seemed like that was the final nail in the coffin. I could hear Brian Ives crying from from Bristol to Hartford. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like it was done. And then you fast forward to now, fresh off a championship berth. It's just, you're right, Pac, because I think the question now is, can they handle being the favorite? It's Carolina. Well, they're going to be guys are used to it. right. It's, yeah. it's why you go to university. You always have the spot when you walk into Smithson and again you look up and you go, well, they've won a few here, haven't they? Yeah, with great players, they're going to be loaded and good to go. Yeah, uh, eight miles down the road, though, almost the polar opposite situation. Uh, Duke continues to lose great talent to the NBA draft. Now, granted, John Shire's got the number one recruiting class in the country coming in. It's what Duke does. They always have great players. But you're going to have to buy a program because a lot of guys that you just watched this past uh, 21-22 season have left the building. Yeah, no surprise on these guys. A.J. Griffin is top 10 pick in the draft, according to the experts. Mike Schmitz, Jonathan Givoni, Trevor Keel's probably a back-end first-rounder as well. Like you said, Pac, this is kind of the drill in Durham at this point. Uh, A.J. Griffin, though, is an interesting case to me because I actually think he could have used another year. I agree. Um, The goal for him... I think is you want him to be like a Devin Booker where, you know, Devin Booker didn't start a game in college and now he's going to be probably top five MVP voting. AJ Griffin to me is, is a bit of a mystery. It's the same kind of way. Average 10 points a game. He had a bunch of games where he was just kind of invisible. And that, that tends to happen when you got more running the show and Ben Carroll, when he wants to be assertive, but I am always wary of guys who sort of float. And I don't know if Griffin is that way, but he was a bit of a spot-up shooter in college despite the body and everything we know he can do. Sometimes he sort of forgot he was on the floor, and it gives me, as a Timberwolves fan, Uh-oh. PTSD Uh-oh. to a man by the name of Andrew Wiggins, who's found his niche now in Golden State as a fourth or fifth option. But if you're drafting in the top five, you don't draft a fourth or fifth option. You're looking for a guy. And so I don't know if that's A.J. Griffin, but... If you're him, you see your name in the top 10 on draft boards, you got to go. Well, I think that if you know you're a first-round pick, it's a must. you got to yeah. go take the guaranteed money. If you're not sure, like Armando Baycott got some information and said, hey, you know what, you don't think I'm a first-round pick? I'll just go back to school, make a ton right. of money, have a great time in college, continue my education, and go win a championship. Yeah, and that's the thing. I feel like people sleep on that. They're like, well, you gotta, you got to make the decision to go and take the money. If you're Armando Baycott, what's a better life than being the man on Franklin Street? Amen. That's number one to me. Everyone always says college is the best time of your life. Well, why leave early then? That's why I am greedy in this department. As a fan, I am greedy. I I hope that every kid stays in college. And again, chase your dreams. The money's there. You got to take it. I get all that. But man, enjoy that college life while you can. Right. There's something special about all that. Yeah. But just look at the group, though, that Duke has lost. Mark Williams, Bancaro, Wendell Moore Jr., Keels, Griffin, I mean, that's a pretty good start in five, by the way. Yeah. I mean, th- those five dudes, y- you'd roll those guys out and say, that's my team. I- yeah. I'll- let's roll it out there and see where that thing goes. That's a lot of talent being that. But again, I go back to what John Shire is doing as far as recruiting. Yeah, they'll be fine. The number one class in the country is coming into Cameron Indoor. And your favorite NBA prospect is big Mark Williams, right? I like Mark Williams. I, yeah. I, again, I'm greedy. I wish they all would have stayed yeah. one more year. But if somebody tells you, hey, you got a chance to maybe be a lottery pick, certainly your first round pick. You got to go. Yeah. You just got to go. Yeah. I love watching Mark Williams, though, man, because he was the fifth option 
on that team. And he's still, you never forgot he was out there. I love watching him. Well, with like everything else, especially with what's coming up later this week with the NFL draft, same thing with the NBA draft, uh, it's really where you go, right? A lot of these guys that you're like, sure, hey, could have used one more year in college. You know, if you land in the right spot, all of a sudden you take off. We talked about Devin Booker and with the Suns. No disrespect to my man back there in uh, <laughs> Bristol. That's uh, two segments and two shout-outs to the I, Phoenix I know. Suns. I know he's upset yeah. today since they lost last time. But there are certain guys that sometimes in college, you watch them and go, yeah, they're pretty good, but right. I'm not sure they're an NBA guy. And all of a sudden, yeah. they land in the right spot with the NBA, and they just explode, and their talents go off. You go, where, where was that guy the whole time? Right. They're there. Right. There's a couple guys on this Duke list, I think, falling into that category. Yeah. Well, I think the worry with – with Griffin, is it can go one of two ways, right? It could be Booker, sixth man of the year in college, but not the star of that Kentucky team. Now he's a star of the, the best team in the NBA, even though they might lose in the first round of the Pelicans. Don't sorry, say it. Now sorry, that's Brooks. rude. Sorry, sorry, Brooks. Brooks will be able to come right down here and slap you around. <laughs> so you got Booker, but then you've also got Cam Reddish, right? I mean, Cam Reddish was a lot like A.J. Griffin in college. Yeah. It's an easy comparison. Yeah. They look good in a uniform. They've got a smooth jump shot. They weren't the top option on a Duke team that was loaded. And with Reddish, it hasn't clicked in the NBA yet. It could. He's still super young. But that would be the fear if I'm an NBA team looking at A.J. Griffin. I'm like, really? This guy went one for seven in the final four against their biggest rival? Where was he? I want to draft that guy in the top ten. Flip side of that is he's got all the talent in the world. And he's, what, 6'6", 230, looks like a running back out there who can also shoot. A.J. Griffin's problem is he didn't go to Syracuse. Oh, He's from New York says State. Says the Syracuse guy. You're from New York State. <laughs> go up to the Orange. Be the man. Hang 25 a game. You and Buddy making it rain on the ACC. Don't go to Duke. I'll just Next guy from Austin, New York, just remember that. Yeah. The pom-poms are out. <laughs> Where's Dana Boyle when we need her just to straighten out the bet with all early. this stuff? It's too early. <laughs> uh, when we come back, a I thought a major topic uh, exploded upon us, and it involved yeah. a gentleman that's uh, tied into the ACC. That's Jack Swarbrick, who's the director of athletics at Notre Dame. Uh, he made some comments that uh, are worthy of a conversation about the direction of college sports. We'll get into it next. Packer and Durham. Drew filling in for Wes. You got us right here on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Monday. Hope everybody had a good time this weekend. A lot of ACC championships. We'll get to all of them. Great guests coming your way as well. Plus the best and worst of the weekend. Wes is on the links today and tomorrow. I think Eric McClain is hanging out here. He's in the West Durham suite tonight. Yep, I've got the one day pass. You got the one day pass. You have until like checkouts at noon, I believe, I according so. to Mrs. P. Yeah, one day um, checkout for me. Speaking of checking out, uh, Jack Swarbrick, the outstanding director of athletics at Notre Dame, had some comments to Sports Illustrated in an article to Pat Forty that I think people should pay attention to. And Drew, when you start uh, listening to what Jack's got to say as far as the future of the NCAA and where we're going. Uh, it's maybe a lot of folks are eye open with this. And he basically says that it is inevitable that we're going to see the division one level adios at a completely different lay of the land here by the mid thirties is what he was talking about. Yeah. So, uh, You'll be around to see that. You'll you'll still be. I will the be show the somewhere retired. I think yeah, right yeah. then, but nevertheless, Might be on the Amalfi Coast. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Good idea. Well, I think before we break this down, pack, it's important to lay out exactly what he did say. Kind of like last time I was on, we were talking about Dabo Sweeney, and let hey, let's talk about what he did say and what he didn't say. So Swarbrick right. said, like you said, inevitable that there's going to be a big break 
in the NCAA Division I level. He also said there are so many schools trying to leave their current conferences, but they're handcuffed by existing contracts. So my initial reaction to this is Jack Swarbrick is a smart guy. No doubt. He is a chess player. He wouldn't just call up Pat Forty and run his mouth for no reason. So what's the end game here? And I'm trying to figure out what the point of doing this is. And I can't really figure it out. What do you think? Um, well, first of all, when I when that part of it, I thought was interesting because you see all kinds of models of where we're going. We meaning collectively college sports. And you see all kinds of models that would have like the SEC and the Big Ten from a meteorite standpoint generating so much revenue. Yeah. And, and kind of putting everybody else in the rearview mirror, which they already are. But that, that discrepancy between like the, the power five versus everybody else, there's a wide gap. Mm-hmm. Now within the power five, the conversation is that down the road at the pace that we're going, that the Big Ten and the SEC would separate itself from the ACC and the Big 12 and the Pac-12 even further. And so when Jack Swerbrick, who's obviously tied into the ACC a great deal, he's obviously tied into the college football playoff committee and, and the working group, which came up with the idea of 12, Mm-hmm. Uh, which got shot down by the Alliance, which was from, so there's a lot of politics at play here. So yeah. what I'm trying to say here, big picture, is to see that discrepancy and to see a guy that's really got a front row seat on many fronts here make a comment like that, that there's such a discrepancy between these two leagues, the Big Ten and the SEC versus everybody else down the road, that other members of ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 would like to get out but mm-hmm. can't. They're yeah. handcuffed. Uh, the first th- thought for me was, well, since we're doing the ACC here on ACC Network, you got to be referring to a, some teams in, in our conference. Right. It have to be. And why wouldn't you? I mean, you basically work with everybody within this league. Uh, who that is, I have no idea. Jackson yeah. would have yeah. made the comments, and he was pushed to give an example, and he said, I'd rather not he, state He opted, that. yeah. He, so he decided, hey, I've pushed the envelope to this edge. Now I'm right. backing off. I'll let you guys try to connect dots on this stuff. Uh, I don't think he's crazy as far as what it might look like 10 years down the road. I, I've been beating this drum on radio or any other platform for a long time. That I do think it's inevitable with college football, kind of what Dabo said the other day. I think yeah. we're going down the fast path of 50 to 60 teams that are really committed to doing it at that level and the rules that equate to what you do a big boy football versus roast beef A&M. Why are we playing by the same rules? Yeah. They're not even in the same universe. And I think that's accurate. So I think what Jack is saying big picture, I think is somewhat accurate, to be honest with you. It's scary, but I think yeah. he's on the right path. And, and I like that word you use, Pac, scary, because this is kind of a side effect of NIL. We talked about Caleb Love, right? Yeah. I think every college sports fan would say that's a positive. A guy can make money in college, so it's a big reason why he decides to come back. As Fuller is, is really worked up over this. He's... He's alert. He's alert. Yeah, he is. He wants. He knows there's money. danger ahead. <laughs> he, knows. he heard those Swerber comments. But the flip side of it is with more money in college sports, the gap grows. And what does that mean? So one of the things that stood out to me was Swerbrick said, you're going to have some schools who remain tied into the academic institution. And then you'll have others who almost just use the school as a brand And they're not really part of the university anymore. They just, like, it could be the example in this piece was Oregon Ducks Incorporated, right? And I know I'm getting old because that made me want to throw up. Like, you're not going to be related to the university anymore. How does that work? And by the way, we've had athletic directors and conferences telling us for years that 
they actually lose money in the athletic department. Well, now we know that's not true because if FBS programs are going to say, well, we can separate from the school entirely, we actually don't need that the money that the donors send in, that you know, Syracuse University emails me asking for money. That's actually not how they keep the athletic department sustained. Now we know that they really do make their own money. So it's just, there are so many different things in this article. It's not even that long of a story, but the fact that we got so many of these pearls from Swarbrick, pretty crazy. Well, he said schools with traditional educational structure and then there's going to be uh, those that have sports uh, to the university and name only. So yeah. I, I, if we get to that stage, um, I'm afraid that folks will absolutely tap out on college sports. Yeah. I do. I, I think folks would be like, hey, wait a minute. If I went the National Football League, I'll go get the NFL. If I went the right. NBA, I'll go get the NBA. I mean, it, there's to me, there's always been a bond with your school, whether you attended, whether you're just a fan, whatever the case may be. And if you've got some schools where, hey, education is not part of the process, it's not college sports. Yeah. I mean, to me, that I mean, call, call me old-fashioned, old school, whatever you want. But to me, that's what it's always been about. And I, we're going down a slippery slope right now, in my opinion, with name, image, and likeness, because the NCAA did such a terrible job getting in front of this yeah. and not putting any guidelines or any kind of structure whatsoever. And it's the wild, wild west. And, and Jack Swarbrick talks about that in this article, that really the NIL – it's been now for schools that have been cheating basically under the table from day one. Mm-hmm. Now they can justify their position. And he's 100% right. right. 1,000% right. Yeah. So how do you put the genie back in the bottle? I've said this before. Forget about putting the genie back in the bottle. We don't even know where the bottle is anymore. That's <laughs> over. I mean, that day of whatever college sports that you grew up with, I don't care if you're 25 years old or 55 years old, it's done. That yeah. day's over. Not to come back. Well, I mean, a great example of what you're talking about is what Miami basketball is doing in the transfer portal. They've got a guy coming over from K-State. Nigel uh, Nigel Pack. Nigel Pack and no relation. And uh, we all know. I wish. (laughs) Yeah. You'd have some more hops. Hey, hey, Nigel, man, I need need a little loan here. There you go. 400,000 per. That's the thing. We all know. We all know now that he's going to make 800K for two years. And a car. Via, right, and a car via, what is it, a, a booster who runs a company in Miami. It's it's just too easy now. So it's it's great that the guys can make money, but you hit the nail on the head. The NCAA, what were they thinking? Because they weren't. What they did is exacerbate their own demise. Think about it. These these schools are going to probably leave the NCAA if, if I had to guess, and the NCAA will be obsolete because of their own mistake in not regulating NIL. And what I want to know is what does this mean? For my favorite sporting event of the year, the NCAA basketball tournament. Are, are they going to play a different tournament? Or is it only going to be football that they're going to leave? That's the question on my mind right now. Well, here's the thing. It's a multi-billion dollar deal yeah. for basketball. I don't think anybody who's in the business of being in business will look to figure out a way to screw up a multi-billion dollar deal in which everybody's getting paid. However, I do think there reaches a point that if there is a separation, the big boys might just say, hey, you know what? What is that tournament without us? Yeah. I mean, if you really want to take that stance, you certainly could. It's all about it's windshield about or the bug, right? Mm-hmm. And if all of a sudden you're holding all the cards or, hey, we've got the 40 best teams, what kind of tournament do you have if we're not in it? Right. Why don't we just go have in our own tournament? I mean, if, if you're a media rights holder, that's cool that you're writing a check for multi-billions of dollars to – Entity X over here, but you know what? We're going to have our own tournament. What's our value now? You find out pretty quickly. 
it's it's again i go back jack is a smart guy yeah right greg sankey's a smart guy these commissioners are smart dudes but we are watching we've said this before on the show we have a front row seat to watch a total transformation of an entire industry and it's taken place in really the last year and a half it's unlike i mean just think about where we were two years ago what we were talking about versus what we talk about now transfer portal name image and likeness Who's in, who's out, right? I mean, we're paying guys off left and right. You hear rumors about kids out of high school signing $8 million deals. It's all legit. Yeah. I mean, before you go, well, that's an outrage. Forget about being outraged. That's the real world. Capitalism. That is where we are. Yeah. And if you're uncomfortable with it, I suggest you go find something else to do because right. that is where we're going to be moving forward. And we're just scratching the surface. But keep in mind, Name, image, and likeness became a real thing July 1st of last year. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, in 10 months, look how crazy, how upside down we are in college sports. Yeah. Crazy. Well, here's what I will say. Change isn't always a bad thing. Like, I think about the NCAA tournament, which I just brought up. The NCAA tournament used to not be the marquee postseason event in college basketball. I think if you talk to people in, like, 1945 – and you said, hey, the NIT is not going to be the big dance anymore in 80 years. What are you talking about? They would freak out, Madison right? Madison Square Garden, New York City, yeah. everybody wants to be here. And then everything is, is going to, you know what, because the NIT isn't it anymore. Well, maybe we're just in another transition phase. I mean, we've had so many times, Pac, where people have said that college sports are dying. College basketball has been dead every year if you listen to certain people. Overtime elite. G League. Guys aren't going to go play in college anymore. Oh, NIL's going to kill the sport. Oh, the transfer portals. I actually think it's more fun to college cover college sports right now than it ever has been. And people will lament it, but I don't know. Change isn't always a bad thing. But me, again, that's why I say I'm starting to feel old. Because when I see Oregon Ducks Athletics Incorporated, and these guys aren't going to class anymore, it's weird. It's really weird. But to me, that's not college sports. Yeah. I don't define it that way. Now, again, Jack Swarbrick, visionary. That's, I always say there's about five or six people. When they speak, you should really pay attention. Mm -hmm. He's one of them, in my opinion. Yeah. And, that, and the column by uh, Pat Forty, you should read and, and really digest all of it. And he even talked about even amongst like the Power Five that you could see some separation of, hey, yeah. are you bringing something to the table? And I do think all of that is accurate. Right. But the time frame, because of the media rights deals and all that stuff, he believes all this transpires in the middle 30s. Mm -hmm. Now, it's 2022, and for folks that are going like, ah, man, screw it. I'm not going to worry about it. That's 10 <laughs> years from now. Well, let me tell you something. That 10 years will fly by. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be here before we know it. And the other thing you mentioned, too, regarding the college football playoff, he said, you know, the idea, he was part of the working group, right, with Craig Thompson, Bob Bowlesby, Greg Sankey, and himself. And they came up with the magic number of 12, which everybody loved when it first yeah. was unveiled last summer. And then, of course, the alliance was formed and the rest of his history was put on hold. It is inevitable that it's going to go. And he, he believes that 12 is going to be the number, and it'll work. Mm -hmm. And I think he's right with that, too. I think it is going to get pushed, but it had to be on everybody's terms. It's not now, but it will happen. I think he's right. He, he said that whole ordeal with the 12-team proposal and then it was shot down. He called that the single oddest thing I've ever been through. And I think he speaks for all college football fans when he says that. Well, I really I, understand what happened. Well, he, he was there from day one. I mean, he was working with those other three gentlemen, which I mentioned, before anybody else even knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so he's really seen it up close and personal. But like I said, I, I think inevitably – 
There's so much money on the table that everybody will eventually figure this thing out. And I do think yeah. it's all about timing in terms of negotiations with television partners. And you got better chance three years down the road to maximize that dollar than you do right now. For the fans' perspective, people screaming, even some people in the media, oh, this alliance, these people know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They do. And, and, but this is all about business. Mm -hmm. And everybody will maximize the dollar, in my opinion, a couple years down the road. There'll be a no-brainer. But it's, it's something to pay attention to, though. It was a huge story, I thought, from Jack Swarbrick. And uh, without naming names, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people at schools from the ACC, from the Big 12, and the Pac-12 going, hey, psst. I think we're one of these guys who want to get out of here, form a super league with the Big Ten and the SEC. You know, I'm not so sure that 15 years from now, I'm not even sure if we'll have an ACC, an SEC. I think it will just be, hey, here's the cluster of team, teams that are playing big-time football. They bring it up east, west, north, south, and they go play each other. Yeah. And where does it go? I got no idea. It's scary. I know one thing, Pat. Greg Sankey is sitting at Big Bad Breakfast in Birmingham right now or somewhere, and he is smiling. He's loving it. I'm sure his phone is blowing up, and uh, he's he's got the cards, man. Greg Sankey, most powerful man in sports right now. Well, he is one of them. And, again, with the way the Big Ten is turning out money, the same thing with the SEC, you know, you want to be in a position of strength. And it's not that everybody else is going broke. They're not. I mean, mm -hmm. the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 are making a ton of cash. But is that discrepancy going to come in to be a player? Well, we'll see. Time will tell. Grab your popcorn. Uh, quick break. We come back. I told you we're going to cover every sport known to man on this show. Uh, we're going football because uh, West Durham, Roddy and the Guru, they were up there in beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia this weekend and uh, had a little Virginia football. Man, it was a big weekend for the Hoos. We're getting all that stuff. We'll talk about what we saw this weekend, the final spring game, 14 of them covered here on ACC Network. And we'll talk about the 14th one, Wahoo Wah, football, Tony Elliott style, next on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Our next huddle special is the night before the very first round. We'll have draft expectations as well as reasons why ACC players should be successful and what fans need to know about each drafting. It all goes down Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern right here on ACC Network and the ESPN app. Coming up this week, NFL Draft Thursday, Friday, all weekend long. Get that all over you from beautiful Las Vegas. But uh, that'll be fun. We've got a lot to talk about this week. So Eric McLean's coming here, then straight to the airport probably, go up to Bristol for the huddle draft special. It's normally how it rolls here. He comes in there and gets a nice meal like you did last night. Right. And, uh, you know, shoot the breeze, catch up with setup. the boys. Yeah. Good night's sleep, do a show, road trip. That's right. In the West Durham suite. West Durham suite. Good night's sleep. That's yeah. exactly it. All right, speaking of West Durham, he, Roddy Jones, and company were in Charlottesville this weekend. Uh, I hope you enjoyed all the ACC football spring coverage uh, because we had everybody and their brother playing here on the network. Uh, but the 14th game was Saturday in Charlottesville. Wahoo wah. Tony Elliott, the new man in charge. We had him on the show last week from practice. Uh, I'm not sure you ever learn a ton from spring games, but nevertheless, Virginia should be a thoroughly entertaining team offensively. The big question is, if you're going to make a dent, it's got to be better on the defensive side. Right, yeah, last year, 121 in total defense, best offense in the ACC statistically, but the defense was the downfall. Listen, we know what they've got offensively, and it's a lot of talent. They've got Brennan Armstrong, you see the lefty can flick it. He's got a couple good tight ends this year, Grant Mish and Sackett Wood Jr. Love that name, don't Maybe you? Maybe my favorite name in the ACC. 
Of course, Keaton Thompson wearing number 99. What are they calling him now? Just a football player? I think that's how he's listed on on the depth chart. Listen, they've got dudes. And the question will be, how does the scheme look different going from Anai and Beck to Elliott and co? We never learn anything in the spring game. I mean, I was up in Syracuse for the Oranges spring game. We didn't learn anything from those guys in their new school. So schematically, that's a question. How does the offense look? But when you got the dudes... You should be okay. Well, they got the dudes, and they got that guy right there, number yeah. five. And I think when you have a dude who can make a play, and you've got playmakers, which Virginia has, and Tony Elliott is an offensive coach. So I'm right. not worried about Virginia at all on that side of the ball. He's already talked about, hey, we got to be able to run the football to really kind of set up all the, the weapons that he has, and that makes a ton of sense. I think for Virginia, though, to get to the next level, if you're going to compete with Pittsburgh and Miami, for argument's sake, on the coastal side, defensively, they're going to have to improve. They did not. They did not get the job done last year defensively. And you just can't go into each game thinking, hey, we got to win this game 45-42. I mean, that, that, only, that shelf life doesn't last long if that's the way you got to play. So I think Virginia will be thoroughly entertaining to watch. But for me personally, uh, Virginia's growth on the defensive side will determine whether they're a factor in the coastal or, hey, this is going to be a work in progress for Tony and his guys. It's pretty rare, I think, that – you know, a team is so good offensively and the entire staff is different the following year. I mean, what happened in the offseason with, with Bronco Mendenhall was pretty unique. Um, so, yeah, but you're right, Pac. I mean, the offense, even though it is a new staff, is, is really a known commodity. The defense is what needs to improve for them. Because last year, the offense was championship level good. No question. Not just in the ACC, but really in the country. I mean, that offense was good enough to play with anyone. But defensively, they just couldn't hang. Here's what Tony Elliott had to say about his offensive football team after the game. You know, with, with, with what Rudd was doing, you know, on defense, there weren't as many shots down the field just because they were sitting back there at eight yards and it's hard to, hard to run by him. So we were going to take what, uh, what he was going to give us. I think that'll definitely be there, you know, as we get into fall camp. And, and, and really this offseason, you know, that's where you develop your timing because these guys are going to have uh, a lot of coordinated workouts uh, on their own uh, where they're going to go out and throw and then they're going to do some, some team-related stuff without the coaches. Uh, and then we've actually NCAAs will give us two hours a week to be able to do some skill work so we'll be able to work on that timing um so i'm not i'm not worried about that piece of it uh more so for us the focus was let's establish the run game and we'll be able to to push the ball down the field and and, and i think with what we do offensively with the with the the play action and the move the pocket the play pass stuff it won't necessarily have to just be your traditional throw to fade down the down the field we'll be able to to move some people distort some safeties uh and be able to throw throw the ball you know not necessarily 40 yards in the air but we can put it 20 and then they can run it 20 which is, the, which is the same thing. New energy with the Virginia program, not only with Tony Elliott, who's a class act, and I think a perfect fit for the Hoos, but also the, the financial backing in terms of, hey, let's upgrade the facilities, which has been in play for Virginia. So uh, from a football facility standpoint, new momentum, uh, they'll be a fun team to watch. Really fun. And, yeah, 160,000-square-foot facility. Bronco Mendenhall was pretty open about it. He sure said was. They, if they want to compete at the highest level, they need to – upgrade their facilities i know uh the folks over at clockner stadium say we could use a new practice facility maybe for the lacrosse team as well back-to-back reigning champs but that's a story for another day uh the football facility will will take that program i think to the next level i mean again they produce uh, at least at one side of the ball as a championship level team it's just going to be about whether their defense can deliver and john radzinski and co on the defensive side coming over from air force 
We'll see. Again, you don't really learn anything from the spring game. But if they can play some defense, they can play with anyone. And, of course, Tony, with his time at Clemson, they built a new football facility down there. I think Tony was kidding around the other day going, hey, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to have one of those Dabo slides in the new one. That's kind of Dabo style. We'll do something differently. But I think if you're a Virginia fan, I think you're cautiously optimistic. Uh, Tony, like I said, is a smart guy, first-class guy. And uh, he'll do the job from that perspective. But Virginia, to be get back into the conversation of winning ACC titles and getting into the ACC championship game, it's all going to start on the other side. they got to tackle the man with the football. If you can't right. do that, it's hard to win titles. Yeah. My and, opinion. Well, I mean, think about Tony Elliott recruiting. UVA is pretty easy to sell, I would say. If you got the facility as well, I mean, think about the grounds in Charlottesville. you got Bodo's Bagels as well, which we've already talked about on this show. What a selling point that is. In all seriousness, I mean, that's such a gorgeous place to, to be a student. If you've got the right facility and you've got a little bit of recent history with the offense, come here, put up numbers, make some NIL money, go to the league. I think the formula is starting to crystallize for UVA. What I'm kind of glad to see is, number one, I know Tony really well, Brent Pry now taking over at Virginia Tech. Midnight Rider. That's the Midnight Rider. Uh, <laughs> that state produces great talent. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's going to be a priority for both Tony Elliott and Brent Pry to put a wall up and say, guess what? We're sick and tired of everybody coming in here, whether it be other ACC teams, Big Ten. And of course, Brent did that when he was at Penn State. Uh, they've got to put the wall up around the Commonwealth of Virginia and say, guess what? The battle is going to be between Virginia and Virginia Tech for all the talent. Right. That's got, got to be a priority for both Pry and Elliott moving forward. It yeah. has to be. This is our Commonwealth. Right. And you can't come in right. here and take you, our place. You pick. I mean, you're going to go to Blacksburg, yeah. you can go to Charlottesville. How's it going to be? But – uh, you know, I know Mac Brown's done a brilliant job since he's come back to North Carolina. It's still in a bunch of kids from the Tidewater area. And, you know, everybody kind of comes in and picks and choose. Virginia and Virginia Tech have to do a better job in state recruiting. Yeah. That will be fun. And I'm not even a recruiting guy, but that'll be fun to watch moving forward. Right. We'll yeah. see where it goes. All right, there you go. If you want to talk about that today, you can. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Uh, hour number two, we lead off with a traditional deal on every Monday. We give you a little best of. And the worst of. And let me tell you something. The best list is long. I mean long. A ton of cool stuff over the weekend. A lot of championships determined. We'll get into all that stuff. Drew Carter, he's filling in for West Durham. You got us right here on ACC Network. Packer and Durham.